Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Mandatory minicamp, day two. Now officially in the books for, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's in the books. I mean, practice is over, the media session is over, and we'll look at tomorrow at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and then next week there'll be OTAs, and then it's a dunzo, done deal records, and then they'll be off and uh, wait until training camp. And once training camp opens, full throttle full steam ahead but welcome to unnecessary roughness here on radio nation radio 920 got my man demon cotton back in the finley cadillac performance studio i am in the home studio as uh breaking out of intermountain Healthcare performance center a little bit late definitely want to uh, shoot over to the house and, and go ahead and get ready for the show so that's what i did tomorrow we'll be doing the show all the way live from the intermountain Healthcare performance center so uh, i feel like i've been on the road man I'm, I'm a roadie all week i've been on the road haven't been back in the home studios but demon don't have any fear on Friday, I promise you on Friday, I'll make an appearance to the home studios. I'll be back in the building, baby. <laughs> I've already thought about the scenario. What, what's going to happen for him to be like, hey, man, the hugest thing happened. I'm going to have to do the show from home today. Well, I've already thought about it. And well, I'll it tell you happen. this. I'll tell you this. That will not happen because I have a meeting with the big boss on Friday. <laughs> so that meeting with the big boss will make sure that I don't uh, miss. And so I'll make sure I'll be at the at the, uh, at the the home studios. But, no, I mean, when you have mandatory minicamp, just like during training camp, there's going to be a lot of times where I'm not going to be able to make it all the way back to the studio. And instead of like last year, uh, if you remember when I broke out of the, uh, the media session, and had to do the first segment of the show from the cell phone on the car in the car. That wasn't the most safest trip to the studio, so I want to make sure that that never happens again. So it's a lot better to do the to do the show from the home studio than having to have that kind of scenario. And hey, the the Raiders asked me to do the show from from their building tomorrow, so that's what I'll do. Uh, we'll have Eddie Pascal will be part of the show tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a good cast of characters, but that's for tomorrow. We're still worried about today, but uh, very excited about uh, what we have for you lined up today. Coming up at uh, two. 30. Paul Gutierrez, he's going to join the show from ESPN. He's been covering the Raiders like a glove for a very long time and uh, he's going to talk about what his observations were today at OTAs and it's so funny, I say observations and I probably should say that as loosely as possible because we're very far away and we've talked about it for a long time and it's it's kind of like the running joke that we have while we're out there. You know, hey, what are you seeing? I don't know. Let's ask the players what they saw from practice today. You know, but, you know, we saw like a, a Devontae Adams made a nice catch and then uh, they were so far away and it was the farthest field there's a fence there so he made the catch and the players actually held him up so he didn't run into the fence and uh levi levi uh damien from uh, usa today he uh he actually tweeted out something about hey there's some fields in the middle here that you could have played on and you don't have to worry about uh stopping a guy from hitting the fence so hey man it is what it is uh you know we're getting used to it every day but being out there again uh seeing the guys out there on the grass see them out there competing see them out there trying to continue to develop and learn what josh mcdaniels is teaching them and then defensively what Patrick Graham is, is doing, trying to teach him as well, uh, has been a lot of fun. And so definitely can't complain about that. It's starting to heat up a little bit. And I'll say this, speaking of the heat, 
you know, you got to stay hydrated, right? We all know that. You got to drink water. So the Raiders do a great job of providing water out there and, and coolers. And uh, I came from the dentist this morning. So I had a dentist appointment at bright and early, 8 o'clock this morning. Last week I had a crown done, but what it was was a temporary. And so today I had to go back and get the full crown or the, the permanent one. So uh, I said, cool, no problem. Got in there at 8 o'clock. I was supposed to be out of there by 9. Well, when I'm in there, they say, hey, uh, while you're here, uh, we had a cancellation. You want to go ahead and just do, you know, a, a, some of your cleaning right now or whatever like that or a cleaning session right now. And I was like, well, that's fine as long as I'm out of here, you know, at a decent time because I got to get over to practice. So, okay, no doubt. Well, anyway, they started doing some deep cleaning. And so they started numbing the hell out of my mouth. So, one, I got out of there late. I didn't get out of uh, the dentist's office until about 940. Uh, so I had missed about 12 emails, <laughs> missed about four or five calls from the job, everything. I was just kind of running late. So that already was bad. But – when I get to the practice facility and we get out there and I go to grab some water because it's hot, so I decide I want to drink some water, I go to drink some water and it rolls right out my mouth because my mouth is so numb that I didn't close my mouth and I didn't realize it, so it's like I drooled right down my face. It was the worst look ever. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be drinking any water for a while, so I'm good now. I think it took about till uh, maybe about 12, 1230 where uh, the numbing actually wore off. And, I mean, it, it was pretty funny because everyone kept saying, like, Hugh, you want a water? And I was like, why? It's not going to do me any good. I can't keep it in my mouth. Everything is, everything is numb. It's just rolling right out my face. So, uh, yeah. And I couldn't feel my face for half the, half the period out there. But uh, around 12, about 12 o'clock, I, uh, I think that's when I started getting feeling back in my face. I was actually able to close my lips when I was drinking some water. So, don't worry. No hesitation. I'm good. I'm, I'm hydrated. I'm good to go. But, uh, yeah, that was an experience in itself. So uh, it was pretty warm out there, and uh, we had a good time. And there was a lot of uh, folks that talked to the media today, including linebacker coach Antonio Pierce, which I didn't realize so many people didn't realize he was a linebacker coach. I thought that that was – and I guess I take stuff for granted because we talk about the Raiders every single day. But when I tweeted out a picture of Antonio Pierce talking to the media, people were hitting me back like, hey, when, when did that happen? Where was I when that happened? And that happened quite a while ago. I just – I didn't realize that people didn't realize that. So, yeah, Antonio Pierce, former uh, NFLer uh, with the Giants, did some great things in the league. He was at Arizona, Arizona State before he came back to the NFL as a coach. Uh, he had a lot of energy. That's one of the biggest takeaways I had from uh, listening to Antonio Pierce talk is his energy. So coming up on the show today, you're definitely going to hear from him. But at 2.30, you'll hear from Paul Gutierrez from ESPN talking all things OTAs, day two, uh, what, you know, what he saw out there and what he heard from the multiple players and coaches that we talked to. So uh, not only did Antonio Pierce we talked to, we also talked to quarterback coach Bo Hardigy, uh, also talked to offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood, safety John Abram, and running back Brandon Bolden. And uh, you'll hear from safety John Abram later on in the show as well. Uh, he wasn't too thrilled to talk to us. He wasn't, and I say us, I just mean just, you know, talking to the media in general. He wasn't, uh, you could tell he just wasn't in the mood to, to talk to us, but he had already pushed off a couple other uh, times he was supposed to meet with the media. And so this time I guess he just says, hey, you know what? The hell with it. I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to go out there. He didn't have a whole lot to say. DeMond, you mentioned it before we even hopped on the air. You're like, man, uh, John Abram was like pulling teeth. And it, it basically was, which is funny because I went to the dentist earlier. But, I mean, it was just it, it, it was just like one of those situations where you realize he didn't want to be there, right? He didn't want to be there. Uh, any question that he, uh, he was asked, he, he just really kind of downplayed everything. And that's fine. I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal. Uh, but he has a big year. I'll say this. He has a big year this year. You know, he didn't get the fifth-year option picked up. Uh, he said he's not worried about it. He said he's right on track where he's supposed to be as far as his development as an NFL player. I don't quite believe that. But that's, hey, you know, that's what he's supposed to believe, and that's fine. But he has a big year. He's got a lot that he's going to have to prove to not only this regime, but he's got a lot that he has to prove to the league. 
Because if he's not back with the silver and black next year, which, I mean, when you don't get your fifth-year option picked up, there's a good chance that you're not back, then he's got to prove to someone else that he can be a big-time player in this league and that he's worthy of a contract. I mean, the NFL stands for not for long for a reason. You know, I mean, it's not – it's one thing to get to the league. It's another thing to stay in the league. So, uh, you know, I think that Jonathan Abram has a lot that he has to prove this year. Uh, and I think he did some good things under Gus Bradley. But what's the biggest thing when it comes to Jonathan Abram? Like, what's the biggest issue with him? You could talk about his coverage. You could talk about him wrapping up. You could talk about him getting a little reckless and a little out of control at times on the field. I'll go straight to, I think, option A or, or the biggest issue in Jonathan Abram's game, and that's availability. You know, I mean, look, go back and look at how many, how many years he's been in the league and look at how many games he's played. I think one of the biggest things John Abrams got to prove is he can stay healthy. He can stay healthy and be worthy of uh, an NFL contract because he was doing some good things last season under Gus Bradley, but what happened? He got injured and missed the, the majority or the back end of the season, you know. And so there's things that he's got to figure out how to do. His rookie year, what did he do? He missed the whole season just about. You know, he played a half of football. You know, I mean, there's just, unfortunately, some guys just are injury prone and nobody ever wants to be labeled injury prone. But for John Abram, I think that's his biggest issue. Once he's out there and you put him in a position to succeed, he's a good player, a really good player. I liked a lot of things he did last season, but unfortunately, his season did not end in Cincinnati with the rest of the, of the Raiders. His season ended on IR. I mean, and that's just that's just the reality of it. So he's got to find a way to stay healthy. So uh, you, sh you might hear from him around 4.30 on today's show. But as I mentioned, Paul Gutierrez will join us coming up at 2.30, talk about OT – well, not OTAs, but mandatory minicamp. Then at 3.30 – uh, coach Scott Spinelli, former college head basketball coach. Uh, he's a college hoop analyst right now. He's going to join us to talk all things NBA Finals Game 3 as the Warriors and the Celtics are back in Boston now. Uh, series is all knotted up at 1, and uh, we've had a lot of conversations about the Warriors, and I'm a Warrior fan, and it's very easy for me to find guys that cover the Warriors and bring them onto the show, but I definitely want to make sure we cover the Boston Celtics uh, as well because they've earned the right to be in the NBA Finals. They've had a very tough way uh, battle to get to the NBA Finals, and they, uh, they punched the Warriors in their mouth game one in, in quarter number four and uh, stole that game in, in uh, San Francisco. The Warriors did battle back in game two, but uh, the Boston Celtics have earned the right to be talked about. So uh, we'll talk to Coach Scott Spinelli coming up at 3.30, and we'll talk to him about the NBA Finals in general. You know, the Warriors side and obviously the Boston Celtics side. But, Damon, it's 2.10. It's June 8th. The Warriors and Celtics square up for game three this evening. Who you got? I think I'm going to take Boston in this one. Okay. First game home, they're going to be feeling that energy. I do think that that home crowd, I'm expecting it to be raucous in the TD Garden, and I think that those players are going to feed off of it, and they're going to want a little payback after losing game two because I know that nobody's been saying it like outwardly to the players, but, hey, Draymond kind of went out there and punked y'all a little bit. Yeah, so y'all, I feel like it's not like, hey, y'all lost a close one. Y'all got blown out the building. Right. So how y'all going to respond? Yeah, Steph didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. I mean, when Steph ain't got to play in the fourth quarter, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, they went on that traditional Warriors run at the end of the third quarter, and it was lights out. Game, game set, match. You know, of course, Jordan Poole did his thing uh, to continue to help uh, extend that lead and give Steph all the extra rest that he needed. But, uh, yeah, I just – I think – and this is what – you know, my, my opinion is that they're going to split in Boston. 
And I'm with you. Most likely they probably win. Boston will probably win this one because it is the first first game back at home, and they are going to have that crowd on their side, and that crowd is going to be lathered up, fired up, and, of course, the players are going to feed off that. I don't expect Marcus Smart to have two points. I don't expect Al Horford to have two points. I just don't. I don't have I expect Jason Tatum to turn the ball over as many times as he turned it over in games two. So I do think that Boston will win this one tonight, go up 2-1, and then game four the Warriors will win and head back to uh, San Francisco, the Chase Center, and see what they can do. I, I, again, and I said it at the beginning of the series, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes six or seven. I definitely would not be shocked if he goes seven. I definitely would not just just by the, the way that this goes. And you know what? I'd have no problem with it going seven games. I really wouldn't. Now, of course, I want the Warriors to come out on top at the end of game seven, but if you get into a game seven, what else can you ask for? You got one opportunity to win it all. If you can do it, you can do it. If you can't, you can't. They'll have home court advantage, so do what you do with that. But, I mean, what else can you really ask, right? <laughs> oh, no, it's been great basketball. And also, I'm flip-flopping. I'm like, who do I want to win? I like players on both teams. I don't have that much of a rooting Well, that's interest. who you are. You're a flip-flop. You're a fish. Yeah. You're a, fl- you're a fish. <laughs> you're, you like to flip-flop around anyway. But I was going to say, but Draymond kind of won me over. Because I'm like, man, most of the time, I'm like, I can't stand Draymond. Enough with the antics. But when he had his, gave his little rant about 80s and 90s basketball, I was like, yeah, you know what? He's kind of winning me over a little bit. Where he's like, everybody wasn't tough. Everybody wasn't punching people in the mouth in the 80s and 90s. I'm like, you're right, Draymond. All these, you know, it's funny, all these exceptional players, you know, and it's funny because I'm 45, I have no problem saying that. I like to say that the better basketball was played, uh, you know, back in the day when it was Mike and Larry and Magic and Kobe and, you know, uh, early LeBron and all those, I always I always felt like the, the Pistons, the Knicks when they were good. You know, I, that's that was my era of basketball that I really, really love. But I'll tell you right now, any of these guys that are top-notch basketball players could have played in that era. You know what I mean? Whenever they say, oh, that guy wouldn't have been able to make it in the 80s and 90s, yes, he could have. You know, I know LeBron flops now. He wouldn't have flopped then because they didn't flop then. That, that's the only thing. What, what I do know is these players will do what is going on in their environment, right? What's going on around them is what they'll do. So if they were gonna, if Barkley was flopping, then LeBron would have been flopping. But Charles wasn't flopping. MJ wasn't flopping. You know, Patrick Ewing wasn't flopping, so they didn't do that. So to me, as again, as an older 45-year-old that, that could appreciate all eras of basketball, I, I look at it and say, yeah, you know, they were tougher back in the day. But I get it. These top-notch players definitely could have been big-time players. And look, even Steph Curry, who's not the most physical guy, the way he plays the game, he could have still dominated even back then. So, I mean, I, I just – I always look at it like that. Uh, some people don't like – you know, some young people don't like guys like Reggie Miller. You know, I hear it in the barbershop all the time. My guy, D, who cuts my hair, he can't stand Reggie Miller. He can't stand Reggie Miller. And I was like, Reggie Miller was a hell of a player. He only averaged 17 points a game. You know, whatever. And I was like, the dude's a Hall of Famer for a reason, man. The dude was a hell of a player. But I get it. Everybody is not for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that you like and there's certain things that you don't like. I just think exceptional players, they're generational where they can play in any generation magic you tell me magic johnson couldn't have played today <laughs> give me a break you know he, he could have been a dominant dude you tell me clay thompson couldn't have been dominant you tell me marcus smart couldn't have played jason tatum come on man get out of here with that you know what i mean like these those dudes that are next level guys now i'm not saying everybody but those next level dudes they could play in any generation just because they're that stinking good they'll just have to adapt to their environment which is exactly what they would do. So we'll talk to Coach at 3.30, all things uh, uh, NBA Finals game number three. And then 4 o'clock, Deontay Lee from The Athletic, our good friend from The Athletic, he's going to join us. And what I want to talk to him about is defense. And you're probably, well, what do you mean you want to talk to him about defense? He did a really good piece for The Athletic on uh, the Legion of Boom and the Seattle Seahawks and the Pete Carroll and their defense kind of fading away. And remember when that was a thing? 
Remember when the Legion of Boom, you know, the long corners, the guys that can, you know, they play that cover three and they and, and they just they had that long rangy guys and when Seattle went and won the Super Bowl and they were so good and everyone in the league wanted to have a Legion of Boom, including the Raiders. How many guys did they hire that, that came from that that's that, that era? You know, starting with uh uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Ken Norton Jr. Remember when Ken Norton Jr. was the linebackers coach, or he was the defensive coordinator, but he was the linebacker coach at Seattle. He was a defensive coordinator for the Raiders, and I thought, man, he's going to bring the Legion of Boom style to the Raiders' defense. No, that didn't work. And then, of course, they had Gus Bradley last year. He comes from that same tree. And, you know, I did, again, I've said it thousands of times, I liked what Gus Bradley did. I liked what the defense, the, the, the strides that they took. Was it enough? No, but they did take some good steps. So, now, now organizations are starting to get away from that Legion of Boom, that cover three style, that what Gus Bradley is going to be running in Indy this year, what Dan Quinn is running in Dallas right now. You know, so I wanted to pick his brain on, okay, now that that is starting to phase out, what does he feel like is phasing in? You know, and where does a Patrick Graham style defense, where does that kind of, you know, set in, in, in today's modern era of, of NFL defenses? And how does – uh, Patrick Graham defense that is going to show multiple fronts. It's going to be a 3-4 instead of traditionally a 4-3, even though there's different, there's different levels to the game. How does that impact a player like Max Crosby, who we know exactly what he really does? Uh, how effective does Chandler Jones have to be? You know, what, what, how, how, how multiple does he have to be? You know, what do the big guys in the inside have to do? So I really just want to pick his brain, all things defense, but it all starts with that Pete Carroll defense where he said it's basically that style is fading away. And that's what we see in the, in the NFL. It's a copycat league, and, and teams will do something that's successful. They'll see one organization be really successful with it. It's like, I've got to have that. When Seattle won that Super Bowl against Denver, everybody wanted that defense. How many corners from Seattle got paid around the league? I mean, think about that. All these different corners got paid, and they all weren't that great. They all weren't worth the salt. But, man, if you, if you were there for a minute – Hell, if I had been there in Seattle doing anything, I could have got paid. You know what I mean? Because everybody wanted somebody from the Legion of Boom. And there was just there was so many different corners that got money. And there was there was defensive linemen that got paid because they were part of that Seattle squad. And safeties and Earl Thomas was floating around the league when he went to Baltimore and he ain't been back since. You know, he he wants to get back, but he can't get back. He can't get right. So, you know, we'll talk to Deontay Lee from the Athletic coming up at 4 o'clock, all things defense. And then Raider Nation, of course, throughout the course of the show, we always want to hear from you, uh, 702-365-9200, and then the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Side note on that, and you know I love my side notes, I can actually check the text messages today. I have my computer. All is good. Give a round of applause to my guy Adam Hill from the Review Journal, also uh, on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, he came to the rescue, man. Let me tell you, he came to the rescue. We got off the air yesterday, and I was ready to go to the movie premiere. Demond, I was like, I'll meet you at the theater, and we'll talk about that movie later on the show. I'll have Demond give you a, a recap and a review of what he thought of Jurassic World. What was it, Jurassic World Dominion? Yep, yep. Yeah, I missed the first 30 minutes because I was standing in line trying to get some popcorn, but that's another conversation for another day. But we'll have Damon give you a review on it uh, later on in the show. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I told Adam, I said, hey, man, uh, I just got off the air. Wherever I need to go to meet you so I can get my bag, I will. You know, I don't want to inconvenience him because he was grabbing my bag for me. He's like, man, I just left. I'm on my way to your house right now. And no joke. No joke. By the time I put my equipment up and everything and I was ready to go, I was about to walk outside to go check the mail, boom, Adam Hill came rolling up and had my backpack. So he delivered it smooth to my house. So round of applause for my guy, 
One more time. Adam Hill, man. And now for that, I told him, go on and take yourself to Mexico. So now he's going on vacation. He's headed to Mexico. Adam Hill taking a vacation? Yeah. Whoa. Man, this is what you got to do. You got to take vacation right now. If you're going to take vacation, it's got to be in this little area, in this little time frame. Because if not, you know you're stuck, man. You know you're stuck. I was talking to Ed. And obviously, he's from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, as well. And the RJ does a fantastic job. And he said, man, I got so many uh, hours of, of vacation piled up, I could never take it all. Because once you get to a certain part of the year, it's over. It's done. You're not going to get vacation. You're lucky if you get a day off. <laughs> you know, So that's just, what, that's just the nature of the beast. So right now, everyone's trying to get their vacation in, if possible. So uh, my man Adam Hill, after delivering my backpack to the house yesterday, he deserves a vacation. So I sent him to, I sent him to Mexico. I was like, go on, man. Go on to Mexico. I got you. Nah, All right, okay. nah, nah. I put a little extra on it. He already had plans. <laughs> no, but he's like one of the hardest in this oh, yes. Vegas market. Yeah, yo, he'll give you a run for your money on somebody that is working hard constantly. Oh yeah, Man. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. He's he's working and he's got his he's dip, dipping his toes in everything. You know, not just radio, but writing, not just football, not just uh, basketball, I mean, everything. You know, UFC. I mean, there's er everything. Boxing. He's got everything covered around town. VGK when they're you know when they're on the ice. So I mean, he he's the, he's a dude, man. He's a dude around town. I'm just trying to grow up to be like Adam Hill. So uh, that's what it is. You know, we do what we do. But that's the guest lineup that we have for you. Kind of a a a, a long drug out uh, version of the lineup that we have. We'll have Paul Gutierrez coming up from ESPN in just a matter of a few minutes. Coach Scott Spinelli, former uh, basketball head coach uh, and uh, and a college football hoops analyst, he'll join us at 3.30. And then Deontay Lee from The Athletic will join us at 4 p.m. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, I feel like I already did the opening drive, uh, you know, and I, I was just looking at my face and it's still a little swole. Uh, the lady at the dentist's office said, oh, yeah, you need to take some ibuprofen for your teeth. It's gonna They're going to hurt a little bit later. And I thought... Take medicine. Yeah, my teeth are starting to hurt a little bit, but it's all good. We'll we'll worry about that after the show. Uh, don't want to have a, a energy drink and have some uh, ibuprofen or anything. I, I don't know what kind of combination that's going to be. Don't want to mess with that right now. But uh, I do want to throw a topic out there, and and we want it for the Samadash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Of course, Raider Nation, we always want to hear from you. Uh, I thought about this question. It's it's really simple. How much pressure do you think head coach Josh McDaniels has on him year one with the Raiders, and why? I mean, it's really simple. It's not a complicated question. It's not talking about points scored per game, defense ranked here, there, and the other. It's not what player is going to step up. Just how much pressure do you think? And look, let me, let me go ahead and start it with saying all coaches have pressure. All coaches have a certain amount of, of pressure. But given the circumstances, given the fact that the Raiders were a 10-win team a season ago, given the circumstances that they lost their head coach early in the season, they had an interim head coach ride them to the, uh, to the playoffs, players in that locker room that wanted the interim coach to stick around not that that matters but they they did and you know now he comes in uh, obviously he's spent a long time in new england with a ton of success wasn't that successful in denver wasn't successful at all matter of fact in denver and he admits that he's grown from that and now he's getting another opportunity and oh by the way in between all of that uh he left the, the colts at the altar you know and so but now he's here He's here in Las Vegas. Uh, it looks like that the players are out there competing with him. They're out there, you know, trying to learn what he's out there teaching. But just in your opinion, given all the circumstances, knowing all the talent that's on the team, 
You go and make a trade for Devontae Adams. You go and make a move and bring in Chandler Jones as a free agent. You go and bring in the kind of guys that you want. You got Patrick Graham now running the defense, a guy who's going to be considered a, a head coach at some point. You also have Dave Ziegler, your, your, your right-hand man uh, as a GM. You have Champ Kelly, who's going to be a GM of his own team at some point. You know I mean? There's a lot to like about what the situation is right now for Josh McDaniels. You have a veteran quarterback that's been there, done that. And John McClain tells us all the time, Damon, that it's very rare that you see a, a, a vacancy at a, co- a head coaching spot for a playoff team. Most of the time, when a, a head coach is, is named, it's because the team the year before stunk and they didn't make the playoffs. You know, Doug Peterson, he got the head coaching job in Jacksonville. Why? Because the Jags sucked. You know what I mean? Like, like think about it. Denver, there's a new head coach there. Why? Because Vic Fangio wasn't very good. You know, I mean, there's so many, so many coaches' uh, vacancies that are open because the team wasn't very good. The Raiders were a playoff team. I, my expectations, we heard from Darren Waller yesterday, my expectations are them to be a, a, a playoff winning or a playoff team, or if not, at least knocking on the door of the playoffs, competing. You know, I don't, I don't expect them to be a five-win team this year, or Vegas has them at what, six and a half? I don't expect them to be a six-and-a-half win team. I think that they should win double-digit games and, and should be competing for the playoffs. Now, this division is going to be tough, so – you never know how it all shakes out, but, I mean, this is a good team that he's – I don't want to say inheriting because that's probably not the right word, but this is the, a playoff team that he is in charge of now. He is running the show of a team that just went to the playoffs. So I want to know from you, Raider Nation, how much pressure do you believe the head coach, Josh McDaniels, has in 2022? 702-365-9200, Sam and Ash, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Let's start things off with ABA Ivan Davis. What's on your mind, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, this one, uh, to me, it's a little, I guess it's, a, it's an easy question. Uh, if I would say not much at all. If there's any pressure, it, it, it's on himself, okay, because – I, mean, I say that because of the pedigree he comes from. I mean, he comes from New England, multiple Super Bowls, multiple playoffs. This is something he's used to. That's why the demands are so high. He already knows what it looks like. I mean, the Denver Bronco thing is is, is too far in the rearview window. Okay. And, he, and all the talent he's got, I'm sure he has an expectation for himself. Okay, uh, of what he, you know, this this, this looks like. A Super Bowl team, because like, he knows what winning looks like, literally looks like. Okay. Okay, and so and that's what. I, so I think if there's pressure, it's, it's amongst it's amongst himself or the you know manufactured by the media. But I don't think he's going to feel any pressure because I'm sure Mark Davis told him the same thing he told John Gruden. Hey, just build me a winner. Okay. Okay, and so not not. I mean, just there's some, but it, it's light. Okay. All right. Thank you for the call. And uh, that's why we ask. That's why I throw it out there. And look, I- I'll say it. And I said it before. I think that this is a team that should make the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that you look at this roster and say, hey, that's a Super Bowl roster right there. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I'm just going to say I think that they should make a run towards the playoffs. Now, you have to compete with the Chiefs, the Broncos. You got the, Chief, uh, the-, the Chargers, obviously. That's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to determine what you do. You know, what- some-, some team from the AFC West ain't going to make the playoffs. But I do think all the teams are going to be pretty stinking good. I do think that the Raiders are going to be better than the Broncos, even though everyone's giving uh, the Broncos a lot of love nationally. That's fine. I just think the Raiders need to go out there and prove themselves. So I uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, because I do have a guest coming up next. But how much pressure do you think 
that head coach Josh McDaniels is going to be under, if any. ABA Ivan Davis said he really isn't going to be under any, so that's fair. 2022, what do you think about the pressure, if any, for head coach Josh McDaniels? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. My man Aaron Bernal on Twitter at AABernal85 tweeted at myself, Demond the Boss, and Raider Nation Radio 920. I think if the Raiders don't make the playoffs and don't win at least 10 games, it'll be considered a failure for head coach Josh McDaniels. Had a text from the mailman Raider on a scale of 1 to 10. McDaniels has an 11 in terms of pressure, in my opinion. Between making the playoffs last year, trading the first and second rounders, and having one of the best play callers in the league title, if he doesn't make it to the playoffs, he should be on the hot seat next season, but we know he won't because of Mark. Now, I don't think he needs to be on the hot seat. I mean, it's going to be a tough division, but I do think there's a lot of factors that will play into it. I do think there's an amount of pressure that is on head coach Josh McDaniels this year, but that's why I threw out the question to you, 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, our Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. But right now on our phone lines is our guy, If These Walls Could Talk, is the book, Lincoln Kennedy and Paul Gutierrez. And right now Paul Gutierrez joins us. And, Paul, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate the copy of the book earlier today. And let me start with you. How much pressure do you think head coach Josh McDaniels has in 2022? <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I'll just put it this way, radio speak, right? Uh, first time, long time. Is that, is that how I say it? You know? <laughs> yes, time, sir. Something like that. But, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think, I hate, and I hate when you get beat writers on and they always say think. We, you, don't, you don't have us on for what we think, for what we know, right? <laughs> I do not believe there's a lot of pressure on Josh McDaniels, not this first year, because of everything this team went through last year. And because Mark Davis, the owner, knows exactly what – what this team went through and continues to go through. So they're not necessarily, and I asked Mark Davis this when they introduced Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, like, look, I've covered this team long enough where I've seen a couple of teardowns. I've seen a couple of rebuilds. How do you, um, how do you kind of uh, define what's going on now? And he said, it's not a teardown. It's, it's a next step forward. So should he win? Is he expected to win? Yes. But when you're realistic and you're pragmatic about it, you look at the rest of the division um, and considering what they went through last year, yeah, they, they should win 10 games. They should go back to the playoffs. But the rest of the division improved as well, so there's got to be some realistic expectations. And like I said, having covered this team for a while, this reminds me eerily, it's very eerily similar to 2011 when Dennis Allen took over because that 2010 team just missed on the playoffs, mm-hmm. and the offense was humming. Now, it, it hurt, it suffered greatly when Darren McFadden, who was playing at an MVP level, went down around midseason. But they hired Dennis Allen to come in to, and stop me when this sounds familiar, they brought him in to fix the defense. And what did he do? The first thing he did was he changed the offense all over the place, and, and it just the thing went off the rails. So Josh is coming in. He's an established NFL play, an elite play caller. There's still a lot of things that have to fit, have to work. So we'll see as the season goes on. But, um, yeah, long, long answer to your question. But I, I don't see a lot of pressure on him this first year. Start one and four, okay. Then we'll start talking about hot seats and things like that. But no, he, he's got a he's got a pretty long leash to work with, I believe. 
Yeah, no, I, I do too. I believe that the leash is pretty long. I do think that obviously the expectations are going to be pretty high. Darren Waller mentioned that yesterday, that the expectations are pretty high. But, of course, they're high across the league. <laughs> and the division, as you mentioned, is very, very good. So I, I wanted to ask you about the, the red zone. That's obviously been the Achilles heel of the Raiders for so long. How do you think Josh McDaniels and his play-calling ability and the weapons he has to, to work with kind of changed the narrative when it comes to the Raiders in the red zone? Well, we won't know until they actually get out there and they get in the red zone and they either score or they don't score a touchdown, right? Because, right. Uh, you know, I, I was on Sports Center yesterday morning and, and uh, in 30 seconds or less, I had to kind of break down exactly what you just answered. And, and the way I looked at it was this, is that Josh is known for being a dynamic play caller, especially in the red zone. Uh, the car-led offense last year was stall in the red zone. They only were 27th in the league in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So he can dial up the, the most gorgeous, wonderful play in the world, uh, and it won't matter if they can't connect, if, if Derek doesn't see it, if a receiver runs a wrong route, if uh, an offensive lineman falls down and the, the, the pass rusher gets there. So it's, it's, you know, just by definition alone, it's supposed to improve right. dramatically. But until we get them out there and we see what they do against these other, against real live defenses, and again, we're only in early June here, um, we don't know. But that is definitely, to me anyway, uh, one of the key storylines for the season is fixing that red zone offense. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, you said it's early June. We're out there at mandatory minicamp. I don't want to say and ask you what you're looking at because we're not seeing a whole lot, but what are you looking for when we're out there at mandatory minicamp? Uh, looking to see who's out there at right tackle and right guard. That, okay. to me, is the most intriguing part because that offensive line, it all starts and ends, to me, there, down in the trenches. Um, and I don't know if that's because of my high school background as a backup uh, offensive lineman, backup defensive <laughs> lineman, who uh, barely got some run. But that, to me, that's where the game is won and lost. Yeah. And if they're going to really run that same line out there, they got Derek that helped Derek Carr or contributed to Derek Carr getting sacked forty times, the second most in his career. Um, there may be some issues there. Uh, so that to me is what what they're doing, and the fact that Alex Leatherwood was moved back out there uh, during OTAs and. And yesterday, and then you had Brandon Parker taking some snaps out there. Um, that, to me, is the most intriguing thing when I'm looking through my binoculars and when you and I aren't talking about the 1988 World Series of <laughs> the 2006 ALCS. That's right. That's right. No doubt. Hey, Paul, when it comes to Alex Leatherwood, he did speak to the media today. Are there any takeaways that you got from him? Because I think that he's gaining some confidence going into year two, but do you think that he may be the biggest key on that offensive line? Because we know Colton Miller is going to perform well, but he's got to be that second-best offensive lineman on this team in this upcoming season. Just by the def- just by the definition of his position, yeah, at right tackle, I mean, you're, you're protecting the edge. And with all these edge rushers in the AFC West especially, I mean, you need somebody out there that can do not just hold his own, but more than hold his own. Uh, I've already gone on record and said that, to me, the, the, the key to the offensive line is actually Denzel Good, because okay. if he is healthy coming back from that torn ACL and he solidifies that right guard spot, well, then you know that Alex Leatherwood is out there, which then makes him okay. Well, then he's key 1A, right? So, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And, and talking with him today and seeing his body language, he still doesn't look entirely comfortable talking to us, and we're nowhere near what a Bosa or a Mac uh, will, will present when they play the Chargers. But, um, you know, what, what my key takeaway from what he said today was he stayed on script. He said he's been working at multiple positions, and multiple can be two, it can be four. So it's obvious we've seen him both at right guard and right tackle the past two days. So um, I think 
key again there I go think I know <laughs> the key thing for him is getting his confidence back and he mentioned he said hey I'm human uh, I have emotions I have feelings so you know being a first round pick and, and a lot of people going who when he was drafted um, there, there's some pressure on him but at the same time I, I think he gets a lot of a lot of leeway too how much do you think it helped him? And there's that thinking word again. But how much? How yeah. much did it help him to actually play throughout the entire season last year, even though he played multiple positions? A great question that, that we asked uh, Josh McDaniels back at the owners' meetings in Florida in March, and he said the great thing about him is he played a lot, uh, and he's going to be better than his rookie season because he has to be. And, and you know, the, those what's, what's the saying that that doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And right. you know, he he went through an up and down season, and then he was one of the most penalized offensive linemen in the league. And uh, a position switch uh, five games into your NFL career, six games in, that cannot do anything to, to bolster your confidence, but especially when it looked like as a move to protect him. But we saw a lot of this with Colton, uh, Colton Miller, too, mm-hmm. when he first came into the league. Um, and he is one of the upper tier of, of left tackles in the league now. So there's got to be some patience with him. And, uh, you know, body-wise, uh, he, he looks in a much better shape for an offensive lineman. Um, it just depends upon what kind of tackle they want out there. Do they want a stouter guy like him, or do they want the big, long arms and, and the 300-plus the guy out there, too? So that's what the offseason is about, is just for him to, to get his legs under him, literally. And I thought it was interesting when, when Vic Tafer asked him about the violent hands, and he said, no, it's not about the violent hands. It's about getting the hands in the right place, dot, 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 and then getting violent. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of looked like what he did a lot last season was kind of get out of position and not have his hands in the right place and then had to try to recover. And, well, you know, these guys are too extreme, man. These edge rushers are too much. If you're out of position, they're going to beat you every single time. Let's stick with the offensive line. Dylan Parham, third-round draft pick. Andre James, he's the center. He's the guy that got the contract to replace Rodney Hudson at that position. Is that a camp battle that we should be paying attention to when camp comes around? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, when you, when you look at the offensive line, I mean, like I said at the beginning, where games are won and lost, and and even though Andre James did get the the contract extension and everything there, it, it's a new regime. It's it's a new offense. It's a new system. So that that will be interesting, especially since he's your first draft pick of this regime, right? Yep. So that is definitely one of the camp. I, you know, I don't know if we want to put it as a camp battle, but one of the the intriguing storylines, so to speak. I'll put it that way. Um, you know, and when you go back to Leatherwood a little bit too, I, I'll go back to my my co-author, so to speak, on the book with Lincoln Kennedy. You know, he was a right tackle. He loves him. He loves Alex Leatherwood. Thought it was a great pick at the time. Um, so there's something there as well that if and when you get a chance to to pick Lincoln's brain about the position, I mean, he takes a very, very special interest in the right tackle, especially offensive line in general. Nice. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. I was talking to Lincoln today, actually, about how much. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, it's funny that nice. he says that because I was already texting Lincoln today, and I was just going to yeah. ask him, hey, did you want to watch this press conference and give me some pointers on what you heard from Leatherwood? <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to give Lincoln homework. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> but I want to give Lincoln all the homework he can handle, man. He, you know, he's a UW guy, so he needs all the homework he can get, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wanted to move over to the defensive side of the ball because Jonathan Abram finally spoke today to the media. We had fans, Did he? Yeah, we Did had he? fans <laughs> tweeting at, but you know, people were tweeting it like, "Hey, man, we saw his name for the second time. What does that mean? Do you think that maybe the um, the expectations are starting to get to Jonathan Abram because we've seen, hey, man, third year, well, fourth year coming in, fourth but it's year, like, yeah. yeah, fourth year coming in, but three years and it's kind of been underwhelming. You got that number twenty four. Do you think that he's starting to feel that pressure if he's got to produce this season? If he's not, he should. Right. Um, as a first-round pick who didn't have his first, he didn't have the uh, the option picked up. Um, 
it's been interesting to watch his his uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? His presence, his, his his show presence, so to speak. I mean, he was one of the breakout stars of Hard Knocks, which means absolutely nothing in the real world. But you know, he gains an audience with with his character there, and and, and uh, you know, Salman or Salman or however it right, was. Right, right. But unless you're producing on the field, none of it matters. Right. And unless you're getting that option picked up, okay, well, now you're in a contract year. So when it comes to him and Josh and Cleef Earl as well, they are all playing for their contracts. They're playing for their futures this coming season. And when it comes to Jonathan, it's interesting to me because if this was in the 70s, and I know we can't really compare eras, but I think he'd be one of the more feared safeties in the league for his fearlessness and just sticking his head in there and popping people and hitting periods. And there's been a lot of friendly fire injuries on the Raiders over the years from right. from uh, Gary on Conley being carried out on a stretcher from a hit that he gave him mm. to uh, Trayvon Mullen going down uh, a couple times from hits that, that Abram uh, supplied. But I heard you guys talking about him earlier. It's all about coverage and lack thereof. But most importantly, as you said, Q, uh, availability is the best ability. And when you look at his track record, that it hasn't been very good. And the interesting thing is, that's what he'll tell you. And that's what he says when he's in the mood to talk. Today he wasn't really in the mood to talk, or <laughs> he was just in the mood to say, hey, I'm a little bit more demure now and I'm more contained. And, and when he said, I'm right on schedule, that's when, every, that's when you know I went back and started looking at the old clips of Arsenio Hall, things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> yes. Woo, 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 woo. That's what I'm talking about. Like, see, me and Paul can get into conversations about everything yeah. that has nothing to do with sports or football. We could talk baseball. We could talk Arsenio. We could talk hip hop. Man, me and Paul could, could just rap all afternoon. So uh, I'm well, not going <laughs> to. Yeah, I heard you say you were 47. I'll, you know, spoiler, I'm 52. So uh, here we go. We, we got that same nonsense. And when DeMond and I want to talk about pro wrestling, hey, I covered uh, WrestleMania, a couple of WrestleManias, but especially the one in Boston where the finals are tonight uh, when Mike Tyson uh, was wearing the DX, took it off, and then uh, smashed Shawn Michaels and then uh, drank some beers with Stone Cold. And I got retweeted by Stone Cold a couple of weeks ago. So there nice. You go. Iconic. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, make sure you check out Damon on the fight game. He's got his own uh, fight yeah. game show on Thursdays on our sister station, 1230 AM, The Game. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time, man. It's always good to catch up with you out there at the facility. What you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for that uh, we need to be looking and checking out? Just some observations on what's been going on. And, and, and you know, from, from our vantage point, not a lot. But to me, what's interesting as well is, is Darren Waller. And, um, you know, the guy had 107 catches two years ago, and now all of a sudden you got a three-headed monster, and he's looking for a new contract. So how does, you know, as a teammate, they all say the right things. Hey, you know, Hunter Renfro, I asked last week, oh, we can all have 50 catches, and if we win, we'll be happy. Well, will Darren Waller's agent be happy with that? Because he's one of the top two, if not three, you know, best tight ends in the NFL. He wants to get paid, too. So. That, to me, is something that I'll be writing about here in the next few weeks. Nice. I like it. Well, thank you so much again for your time this afternoon. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, safe travels, and, and we'll be catching up soon. Long time, first time, man. Thanks for having me. Talk there to you. he is. Appreciate you, my man. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. Check him out. Does a fantastic job. Been covering the Raiders for a very long time. Uh, been covering sports in general for a very long time, and we definitely appreciate his insights, and it was fun to hang out and uh, talk with him this afternoon at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center when my face started to come right back around, and I can actually feel my face. But uh, catching up, I ain't no joke, man. It was fun. Me and Paul were up there talking baseball. We're out there because we can't see what's really going on. So everything's so far away. As I'm looking through the binoculars, we're also talking about baseball, the 88 World Series, the 89 World Series. By the way, the A's swept the Giants in that 89 World Series. Let's go ahead and give a pause for the cause real quick. Just saying. 
Shout-out to my guy, Ricky Henderson. And I know every Giant fan's going to be like, yeah, but look what they've done lately. I get it. I'm not talking about lately. I'm talking about then. <laughs> 2.46 at the time. Many thanks to Paul for joining us there. When we come back, we'll close out hour number one. Want to get your calls and texts in, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. What do you think? How much pressure do you think the head coach Josh McDaniels has in year one with the silver and black? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got a tweet from Lil Al Davis, at Lil Al Davis on Twitter, said, your boy Q, Paul Gutierrez, Demond the Boss, great interview and awesome nuggets. Shout out to Paul who joined us in the last segment. Fantastic segment with him. Definitely appreciated his time this afternoon. And again, the book, If These Walls Could Talk, stories from the Raiders' sideline, locker room, and press box. Lincoln Kennedy and Paul Gutierrez got my copy today. I encourage each and every one of you to go out and get yours. And, yes, he was a great interview, and we definitely appreciate his time. East Bay Raider Gray hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, talking about the pressure he believes head coach Josh McDaniels is under in year one with the silver and black. I think he has enormous amount of pressure, given the history of the Raiders not doing much over the past 20 years. And now the team won 10 games and went to the playoffs. Plenty of talent on the roster. It's time to win now, to win a playoff game and make a serious run for the Super Bowl. The nation wants to win now. Mark wants to win and put his own imprint on the franchise he inherited. Again, that's East Bay Raider Gray. And going back to what Paul said, he said, hey, uh, Mark Davis told him this isn't a teardown. This is a next step. Take the next step. Take this franchise from where it's at and, and, and move forward. So that, to me, going back to Paul's point, isn't a lot of pressure for Josh McDaniels right now. Now, I do think that, obviously, you go out there and you, you start out really slow. Play, you know, the team just looks like it's undisciplined and playing bad. Okay, the conversation is different. But I think there's a little bit of pressure, just, again, because he was a, they were a playoff team uh, with all the adversity that they went through. So now if they're just focusing on football, they should, in, in theory, you know, play a lot better. But the division, as Paul mentioned, and we've all mentioned a, co- a couple times, has gotten a lot tougher so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it all shakes out but uh i do believe josh mcdaniels obviously is gonna be around for the long haul no way no shape no form am i talking about at what point do you think he's gonna be on the hot seat i mean that's that's a way way too far down the line i'm not worried about that just you know just kind of with all the talent on the team and the fact that they were a playoff team what do you think about the pressure let's go out to a raider fish in berkeley the five and dime raider fish what's on your mind my man uh, hey going on, fellas? How, how are both you? You know what? I, I never stop and ask people, how are they? How, how are you two gentlemen doing this afternoon? We are fantastic and blessed. Oh, man, that's awesome. You know what? Uh, I'm blessed, too. Now, look, I got a couple things on my uh, on my brain. Number one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, hey, they say uh, pressure starts the pipe, but pressure also make diamonds. And True. usually, uh, year one, you know, the coach, they get a year to figure out if they're going to be a pipe or diamond. So I don't think McDaniels has pressure on it. Now, if it was me applying the pressure all off season, there was only one move that had me scratching the divot in my top turf, okay? And that was, Tom McMahon, all right? Mm. So, to me, I'm putting the pressure on that dude. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, 
you know, his track record is a little spotty. I mean, he ran one play when he was with the Colts, and it looked like a small-time high school lining up against a Division One A college team. Uh, so I, I, I'm curious to know what our special teams coordinator is going to do. So to me, the pressure's on him if I'm applying the pressure. I appreciate y'all. And uh, next time we talk, I'll be speaking to both of you. Let's go Raiders! There he goes, Raider Fish in Berkeley. Thank you for the call. And yeah, you know, pressure can burst pipes, or like you said, it can uh, it can uh, create diamonds. And so we'll see exactly what happens. And it's it's interesting that you brought up uh, McMahon and the special teams coach uh, or special teams coordinator because I, I was talking about him today while I was out there at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center because we get a good view of AJ Cole, we get a good view of Daniel Carlson, we see the special teams unit, and I saw you know Hunter Renfro uh, receiving punts, and so I did think you know I wonder what this special teams unit's going to look like this year because they were in my opinion really good last year, and obviously Carlson and Cole did their thing as as the kickers, and of course the unit was good, uh, but I do remember McMahon when he was in Denver, and I remember when the Raiders hired him. Uh, out of Denver, I remember a lot of uh, Bronco fans were like, "Ha, ah, good luck with that. Good luck. Have fun with that." You know, just and I remember, and I know he's not a fan favorite, or some people are fans of him, some people aren't. But I remember Marquette King talking about he didn't like what uh, McMahon had him do as far as changing his style when he was when he was in Denver punting. He said it, it made he he wasn't comfortable in that, and he ultimately didn't punt well. He got injured and he got released. And he's never played again. So, I mean, there's obviously three sides to every story. But I just know that there are questions about McMahon. So uh, I, I don't blame you at all when you asked about that question. And, and it's something that I literally thought about earlier today. Like, I wonder what the special teams unit is going to look like. Remember, Rich Basaccia, that's something that he has been just great at for a very long time. And that is special teams. He is known all across the league as being an exceptional special teams coach so uh, we'll see that's a, a interesting thought and an interesting unit to pay attention to throughout the course of training camp and obviously preseason and the regular season when it matters 256 is the time we'll come back get to the rest of the calls fargo raider i see you i got you coming up next plus your your text and we'll hear from linebacker coach antonio pierce that's all on the next side kicking off hour number two of unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920